You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so costs you a whopping total of $0.00 and cents, and we always appreciate your support. It also keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Be sure to drop a review if you enjoy the show as well. We certainly appreciate the ratings and feedback. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On tonight's podcast, there are a couple of topics for discussion. The first is going to be Tampa Bay versus the New York Islanders, which just concluded. And all I can say is, if you aren't watching this series, you are missing out. Like, I know that the NHL playoffs can be a bit of a drag for some, and if you don't really have a rooting interest, it can be hard to find the motivation to turn the TV on and actually watch one of these games, because... You, you would wish your team was there in that in that position playing these games, but trust me, you will be kicking yourself if you miss the next one of these games, because tonight's event, which was game number four, was an absolute fireworks show. After we recap some of the stuff from tonight's Islanders-Tampa Bay game, we will then cover some Euro 2020 action before closing out with some thoughts from Vegas versus Montreal game number four. But of course, Isles versus Lightning, this was a major turning point in the series potentially. You know, you'd expect... There are, there are games that certainly can define a series and ones that can really push one team onwards or maybe change the momentum and swing the series back in favor of another team. Playoff series always feel a little bit strange because on the one hand, you know, a lot of the best teams do end up in the postseason, but the best teams don't usually advance all that far thanks to the structure of the way it's all done. The Islanders are one of those teams that I think a lot of people were kind of watching and thinking were pretty decent, but maybe not good enough to make like a semifinal and certainly not good enough to hang with a team like Tampa Bay. And for the first, like, ten or so minutes of tonight's game, that looked true. Even through the first period, Tampa Bay was basically on the front foot the entire time. Semyon Varlamov was definitely stout in net, and I think he did a very good job of keeping a lot of Tampa Bay's more dangerous opportunities, at least at bay for the time being. I think the Lightning had to settle for a lot of point shots and stuff, maybe some opportunities that were slightly less dangerous than what they were hoping for. But the thing with Tampa Bay shooters is that they're still very good, and they can score from pretty great distances if they find that right lane that just happens to be a bit of a seeing eye shot. The Isles were basically just sort of hanging on and hoping that at some point the period would end and they wouldn't concede or they'd find a lucky goal, and they did actually nearly score in the first period. There were a couple of really high-danger, scrambly chances down in the slot towards the end of the period where um, Andre Vasilevsky had to make some 10-bell saves. Some of these chances looked like they were labeled for the back of the net thanks to, like, really greasy rebound opportunities and stuff. Somehow, though, Andre Vasilevsky managed to just keep it away from them and nullify a lot of the pace on these shots enough to either drive it wide or just maybe cover it and, and get the, the play stopped. You could tell, though, that the Islanders were looking for some really dangerous chances down low, and they were starting to find them. And then as the second period rolled in, Tampa Bay started to look a little bit slower, and the Islanders were starting to wake up. 
The game really seemed to turn on its head when Josh Bailey scored a bit of a long-distance shot that Vasilevsky appeared to be a bit screened on. Like, Tampa Bay's defense didn't do a great job here of shutting down the lanes and cutting down some of these angles for some of the Islander shooters to take advantage of, but this isn't usually a shot from near the face-off circles that Vasilevsky would be fooled by, so I would have to imagine his vision was impaired. He probably couldn't see the shot incoming, and it just sort of beat him clean over his shoulder, so very big goal, and then, you know, the tide started to turn, Tampa Bay looked a bit behind, and the Islanders were absolutely buzzing. Things got even better when, uh, later in the period, Matt Barzal made it 2-0 thanks to a very fortunate bounce off of Vasilevsky. Vasi thought he stopped a Cal Clutterbuck shot. It somehow just sort of leaked over his right pad. And for some reason, none of the Tampa Bay skaters were watching Barzal at all. He was just completely wide open on the back door, which, if you're Tampa Bay, that's something you basically can't allow ever. Barzal is easily one of their most creative attackers and certainly somebody who has an extremely preternatural ability to find space and attack it, so not somebody that can be left completely wide open alone on an empty net. New York was then starting to really gain control of this second period and look like they were in the driver's seat, and thanks to another chaotic play towards the end of the period, Matt Martin ended up backhanding the third goal of the night on a great, uh, I guess, hard-working shift you'd call it. It was very chaotic. Tampa Bay didn't really clear it out well, and Martin just seemed to find a juicy rebound opportunity that he did not miss, which if you surrender to Matt Martin, there's a good chance that you're probably not winning the game. All that said, this is the Lightning, and no lead is safe with this team around, and that almost came to fruition when, at the start of the third period, Tampa Bay got two quick goals from Braden Point and Tyler Johnson to make it a 2-3 deficit. The entire complexion of the game changed, and for most of the period, this was all Lightning territory. Barring a very brief stretch in the final five minutes or so where the Islanders actually had a really good offensive zone possession, Tampa was buzzing with life and you could tell that they were looking for the game-tying goal. And then it came down to a final last-minute power play thanks to a weird headman penalty that, for me, wasn't a penalty at all. Tampa Bay then pulled the goalie to make it 5v5 at least for the time being and hoped that they could find the tying goal. And Ryan McDonough had a great individual effort in front of Varlamov that saw Varlamov very nearly getting pulled out of his net and McDonough had what looked to be a wide open net to sort of reach and sort of backhand it in. He was basically falling over facing the opposite direction and somehow still got the shot off center of mass of the net. And yet here comes Ryan Pulak diving across to make the block and save the game in the last five seconds to keep the Islanders in the lead and tie the series at 2-2. If you could author a more crazy script to this game, I don't know that it would have matched the intensity and insanity of this last 10 seconds. Had McDonough scored that, that probably would have been one of the all-time greatest playoff goals I've ever seen. As it was, it was probably one of the all-time greatest playoff blocks slash saves you'll ever see. Two nearly historic playoff moments, one uh, almost happening in lieu of the other, so what a great block from Ryan Pulak. An amazing game. I'm honestly excited for game number five. This series feels incredibly even and like it could go either way, so I'm very excited to see which direction it pushes to. It's been a thrill ride so far. Maybe it goes the distance to seven games. We can only hope we're so lucky because the series so far has been a blast. Of course, the NHL playoffs aren't the only crazy tournaments ongoing. We've got plenty of Euro 2020 coverage coming up in just a moment, followed by some Vegas Montreal thoughts right after. Before we move on, though, here's why you should be using BetOnline.ag for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, you need to know that there's a name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, 
international football, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. But for that next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join your favorite teams as they begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as they win. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% matched welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration for a free 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Start winning today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping some early Euro 2020 action from today, or I suppose it was yesterday as I'm recording this. But if you haven't been paying attention to this tournament, it's been pretty wild. It's been one of the more unpredictable, crazy, frankly unexpected tournaments that we've seen so far. This year feels really wide open, and I think Hungary-France really exemplifies this. France is, for obvious reasons, the tournament favorite. If you've seen their World Cup squad, you understand how deep they are, how skilled they are, and how offensively dangerous they can be with such a really rock-solid defense. Hungary, though, finally pierced the back line that really did a great job of shutting down Germany. And sure, the Germans didn't exactly create a ton, but, you know, against France, you kind of expect that. So Hungary actually being the one to pierce France's back line first is really quite surprising. You know, that French team is supposed to be very monstrous, but watching them draw against Hungary maybe gives a shadow of doubt in this group. This group in particular has France, Portugal, Germany, and Hungary at the bottom, but despite what seems like a pretty clear group of, of teams that should advance, you know, only two get through in this group, and trying to pick between like Portugal, Germany, France, surprisingly difficult. And in today's results, we actually saw Germany beating Portugal 4-2, to which was a very big result in light of France not really beating Hungary. There is a lot of movement at the top of this group, and it's really hard to predict which team is actually going to advance. I'll say from Germany's perspective, I thought today's performance was a lot more of how they should be playing. You can tell that they try to cross a lot into the box to create chaos, but usually that hasn't worked against a team like France, which more or less shuts down every single counter. The French defense is very fast and very agile, so it's hard to get by them, especially with good through balls and nice lofted balls. Germany really didn't have the speed up front to try and break that line, which really points out just how extraordinary Hungary's result was today. But the Portuguese defense I thought today wasn't very good, and it was a very interesting match because um, Renato Sanchez wasn't actually in Portugal's starting lineup, and for me that's like benching a really pivotal playmaker like, say, a Matthew Perot for the Jets. Although maybe Perot a couple of years ago when he was actually in the top nine or so. But sort of a similar situation of, of Renato being a really creative box-to-box midfielder, he immediately made a spark in his last appearance and helped Portugal to win their first game, and the midfield of, of Danilo Pereira and uh, William Carvalho just wasn't really up to snuff today. Defensively, they were okay, but certainly in creating and progressing the ball forward, they really struggled. And so Portugal were constantly on the back foot, and despite scoring first early into the match, it seemed like after that, Germany started to figure them out and pressured them on almost every single counter. Germany's first two goals, in fact, were actually own goals by Portugal's defenders, so you can tell that the Portuguese were definitely struggling here and sort of panicked. Not a good start for Portugal in this tournament. This is going to be a very difficult group to advance in, and if Germany starts getting more and more results, Portugal's basically toast. Beating Germany was probably a must for this Portuguese team to advance because Germany would be the team that they're most likely competing with for that last spot. And I believe Germany is playing Hungary next, so if Germany gets the result there that would be expected, it should be pretty smooth sailing for them. 
The German national team under Löw may not be very good right now, but certainly it still has the firepower and talent to make it through to at least the next round of, of elimination. So yeah, Portugal is definitely up against it this time. The last match that we had was probably one of the more intriguing results. We had Poland and Spain, and it ended in a 1-1 draw. Now, Spain, I feel like, has been very good, but somehow very bad at doing the, the most important part of this whole process, which is scoring. Spain has the defensive wherewithal, the good midfield possession, the creative attacking in space out wide, and then they cut it back inside the box, and it's like once they reach their strikers, the strikers all kind of panic. Alvaro Morata has in particular been very poor, and I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's his confidence or his technique or something, there's something about his game that's just missing where his, his spatial awareness and his attacking IQ is very high, and yet when he finally gets to the ball in front of the goalkeeper, it's like it just sort of switches off and he struggles. Some of his misses today were just really great saves from Wojtek Szczesny, and I, I don't know that you can really blame that on him necessarily, but... In other parts of this tournament, he's needed to be better, and he just wasn't. I know that he did have a goal in today's match, but I just feel like, in general, his presence has sort of been very mediocre and not really moving the needle in the way that Spain frankly needs. Spain does everything right except for scoring. They have a lot of talent up front, they have a very good midfield, they're a young, talented team, but the lack of a very clear out-and-out striker that's actually capable of punching goals in for them has been a, a continuous problem. You know, they've kind of turned to Danny Olmo to do a lot of long-distance shots, which, you know, Danny Olmo can do that kind of stuff. He's very good at it. But without a clear nine inside the box to create chaos and actually finish off these chances, the lack of clinicism is going to continue to be a problem. Spain, I, I don't know. They're a strange team. And then the Polish goal that drew it level was actually a free header where Emmerich Laporte was getting bodied by Robert Lewandowski. And I, I get that Laporte is a... A good defender who maybe got a bit bullied here by Lewandowski's physicality, but at the same time, you just can't allow yourself to get leaned on like that and essentially concede a free header, because Lewandowski was basically wide open for the shot. With Laporte base basically being bent over, I mean, there, there wasn't much that the Spanish defense could do, so yeah, not a great game for the Spaniards. I think that they will find themselves with a lot of really good missed opportunities and feeling like this should have been a win for them. They have an easier group, but dropping points like this against opponents that frankly are fighting just to stay in the competition is not a great sign. Like these teams, including Poland and some of the other smaller nations, in the NHL we have quite a few underdogs who are trying to stay alive in their respective playoff series. One such underdog, the Montreal Canadiens, are about to face Vegas, and we'll have some early thoughts from game number four in just a moment. Before then though, I thought you should hear about why rockauto.com should be your number one stop for all your auto part needs. Auto part buying is always a bit of a risky affair, you know, for those of us who are experienced DIY mechanics, maybe we know what we're looking for, but we may actually be overpaying for parts that we could get cheaper elsewhere. If you want to stop wasting time and money, then go to rockauto.com right now. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you'll always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best selection and prices in the industry? There are zero membership fees and all customers pay the same prices no matter what. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today.
Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on Montreal versus Vegas game number four. This was obviously a big chance for Montreal to put its stamp on this series because the Habs, you know, they came in as underdogs, and to be honest, they've given us a much better series than I think most people expected. At various points, the Habs have actually just been playing good without any sort of um, qualifiers or asterisks, so to speak. But after their last win, which was a little bit of a fortunate one thanks to Carey Price being superhuman, I did wonder which version of the team was going to show up tonight. The long and short of it is that Montreal has been the much better team throughout most of this game, barring the last 5-10 to 10 minutes of period number 3. Montreal was really good. They had smart force turnovers up the ice, their upfield pressure was great, I felt like their uh, forechecking was strong, their passing and cycling was good. Some of their down-low slot chances were nice. It is difficult to beat Robin Lerner down-low, though, so that is something that they will have to kind of contend with. Lerner's a really big guy, and his low-net lateral coverage is extremely strong. His pads basically block everything, and he has a pretty good ability to cut across the crease and shut down most shooting angles. If you're going to beat him, you're probably going to have to go up high. I think this was really exemplified by a great individual goal from Paul Byron, who was sprung out after I think it was like a penalty kill. He ended up picking up a nice pass through the neutral zone for a breakaway and backhanded one right above Lerner into the top shelf area for the opening goal. I was really impressed by this effort and it felt very justified because I felt like Montreal was kind of getting screwed by the refs tonight. The Habs were definitely playing the better hockey on the whole, and the refereeing was just atrocious. I felt like the lack of calls and stuff was just inexcusable, and even the um, even the Sportsnet broadcasters were thinking that the officials were losing control of the game, which is kind of crazy because they call it game management, and yet it felt like none of the game was being managed at all. In fact, the referees were basically taking a step back and letting the guys play, which, you know, I know that that's sort of the approach that they always have during the postseason, but... Dudes were out there actually punching each other right in front of the referees, getting zero calls. So, in my opinion, that's really unacceptable. And it's a rather poor reflection of the league as a whole. So, yeah, I'm sure the NHL officiating is going to be something that is talked about in the offseason. It's not going to change, but with the move to ESPN Broadcasting, I have a feeling the, the issues with it are going to continue to be placed under a microscope. And as more fans start checking in on the NHL, I think people are going to be very upset. You watch a sport like basketball, which favors high-end skill and individual talent over physicality and stuff, and it makes you wonder why the NHL thinks that guys basically plugging each other in front of the net still is the best way to make money. At some point, you do have to call some of these really obvious penalties, like a double minor on Corey Perry the other night after he got high-sticked. That really should have been... I forget who should have actually had the penalties, but either way, man, he got absolutely trashed across his face, and he's still got a very nasty mark on his nose from it, so baffling that that wasn't a call and then some of the stuff that was happening tonight between Nosek and Shea Weber didn't get called until like the fourth cross check or so I mean it's just ridiculous it felt like the guys were really getting out of hand the game was basically out of control and it was a pretty poor look on the league um, Montreal though despite having the lead and playing the better hockey ended up conceding the game tying goal towards the end Braden McNabb actually found the game tire thanks to a great behind-the-net feed, which is unfortunate for the Habs because it did feel like they deserved this game. Despite the poor officiating and stuff, they were really hanging in there and doing good work, but I think they were starting to run out of gas towards the end of the third period, and you could just tell that Vegas was starting to heat up, get the passing going, their, their offense from the back end was finding better lanes. You could get the sense that it probably was going to overtime, so um, unfortunate for the Habs. And now, in fact, uh, Montreal has actually lost in overtime the first minute or so into the period. 
Vegas takes it and ties the series at 2-2. Two to two. This is a tough result for the Habs because it was a really good chance for them to get a stranglehold on the series, and now things are very much in the air. I'm sure Montreal feels very frustrated by this. They were so close to pulling this off potentially, and now it's sort of just fallen away from them. These teams already seem to have a bit of a bitter rivalry going, so I'm sure the rest of the series is going to be really intense, and we'll have more coverage from it soon enough. For tonight's episode, that will do it, though. Before you log off, don't forget to check out one of our other fabulous podcasts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!